Divorce is hard, it's painful, and many times a truly isolating event. Growing up in the church, I didn't hear much concerning this topic, so imagine the shame, the fear, and anxiety now having to navigate this space in my life. But here is my now resolve. I am not my divorce. And nothing in my past has the power to stop God from loving me, nor does it diminish my worth. And I hope you come to realize the same. Join me along with some special guests as we walk with transparency through our healing process. You know her as Crystal Clear Convos. So I just hey. want you guys to give a warm shout out, a warm welcome, and a hey to my girl Crystal. So well, hello, hello. It's good to see you again, sis. Yeah, so happy. So glad to, to be on. on. Thank you so much for the invite. Yes, absolutely. So happy to have you come on as we kind of just jump into this topic of divorce and some of the things specifically tonight, you know, with it being Love Month, tomorrow being Valentine's Day, um, kind of wanted to talk about what the healing process after a divorce looks like and not just what the healing process uh, looks like, but also to as well to talk about what does dating look like, you know, after divorce? I know, you know, from a lot of people that I have talked to, it's such a taboo topic, first of all, you know, especially if you're in the church arena, which we both are, Absolutely. we both were yeah. born, we went to the <laughs> church when we were young kids. Um, oh, it's yeah. such, a, yep, such a taboo topic. And so for people that, like myself, you've gone through a divorce, you know, you spent time in therapy and kind of on this healing journey, because I often say that the process of divorce and life after divorce and healing, it's a journey. It's not like a one and a done type thing. It's a journey. And so kind of looking at what does that look like when you're ready to say, okay, I'm transitioning. I, I want to find someone. I want to meet someone. I want to be married again. So can you tell me just a little bit, you know, as much as you feel comfortable with about your kind of story of, of divorce? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for, for having me on the show, uh, for this time to be able to share. Cause you know, Taboo topics is my thing. I have no problems jumping in and addressing the taboo topics because somebody right. got to keep it real out here. And, right. you know, sometimes, especially in the church arena, like you say, it can pre be presented to be um, a little false. Like sometimes we get a false presentation of what marriage is and what happiness is because, you know, we get to see people um, through a lens of church service in the church arena. But sometimes right. when you get home, it gets real. So, um, I just, I did go back and I watched your, your, uh, show and this topic, the last one that you did, um, my situation was a little bit different. So I'm just going to give a little brief background on that. Um, I've been divorced this, well, January was 14 years. So it's been a 14 year, uh, journey and healing process for me. Um, I did not initiate my divorce. My ex-husband actually did that. Uh, we tried to make it work. I moved out to give some space. 
I was like, okay, God, I know you hate divorce. I'm going to go back. And he showed out again. And I was just like, okay, this, this is just maybe not going to work for us. Um, we were married for a short period of time. We were able to um, move through and kind of navigate through, not in a necessarily good space, but we were able to get through it without too much litigation. And um, now we're actually good friends. I don't have issues with him. Um, we've been able to move past that, you know, and realize that maybe we just weren't the right fit for one another. Um, like you said, divorce is like a death. And a lot of people don't realize that when you get divorced, you are going through a serious grieving process. And just like when you grieve the loss of someone physically through death, you are grieving losing that mate, that partner, that person that you were in love with. Um, so getting to a, a, a position or a place where you actually feel comfortable again, actually dating, is it, it, it was challenging. Um, I didn't go to any type of therapy or anything like that. And when I was actually going through my divorce, I was not saved when I got married. And I think that's important to note as well. I was not saved when I got married. I was not saved when I got divorced. I was not saved after my divorce. So all of this perspective will be coming from that place. And then I'll fast forward to when I did actually get saved and um, what I learned and the commitment from there. Um, right. When I when we got married, you know, we couldn't keep it together because I wasn't patient enough and I wasn't saved enough to be able to go to God and seek God right. and pray about it and go to the war room and, you know, like, God, help us through this tough moment. It, I just wasn't there. It was one of those things where, you know, you just have the thought process of if it's not working, then, you know, yep, irreconcilable differences. We're not going to be able to do it and keep it moving. Right. Um, so back then, it 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 I, I can't say that I just sought God and God saw me through so much. What who I did call was my mama. My mom's right. always gonna be there. Mom is always gonna hold you down, no matter what right. you go through. Mom is always gonna be there. You know, my mama is a prayer warrior. Right. She's gonna be in the second row on her knees, praying, travailing, <laughs> intercessing. Mama gonna right. be right there, right? Right. So my mom was always there for me. And Mother Robinson was would be the person that I would call in the mornings on the way to work, in the midnight hour when I'm crying, whenever I would call mom. And mom will always be like, well, you got to seek God and you got to pray. And you got, and although born and raised in the church, that's great. I know what to do theoretically. Right. But when you're going through something, I was just like, I don't even want to talk to my mom because every time she's just going to tell me to seek God and keep praying about it. And she's praying for me. I need somebody in real time, in real life to talk to, to help me get through this. I don't want to hear about go pray. I want you to tell me something that's going to give me a solution right now. Cause this is what right. I'm going through right now. Right. <laughs> and now right. realizing from a different perspective where you, you are saved and you are um, able to understand what it takes it's biblically, you know, seeking God and praying, you know, it, it is a different approach that you take. But at that time, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear about seek God. I wanted somebody to tell me something comforting to help fix the situation that I was in right then. Right. Um, so fast forward, we end up getting the divorce and what it looked like after the divorce as far as dating. I went through several different phases. Keep in mind, I'm not saved at the time. So we're here to have a crystal clear convo. We're going to keep right. it crystal clear. I was not saved at the time. So my motives and what I sought after that divorce, it just varied. It depended on what day it was, 
what the right. sunshine looks like. I went through a phase of we can date, but that's it. I went through a phase I didn't want to be bothered. I went through a phase, yeah, I can take your coins and you can wine and dine me, but it's not going to be much more. I went through a lot of different phases emotionally. Keeping yeah. in mind that, um, you know, I know this is a short period of time that we have, but just keeping things on all transparency. I grew up in an abusive home. People saw mom for just being this sweet saint that she was. And, you know, mom is just a prayer warrior. But what we faced at home was something completely different. My dad was abusive. He was an alcoholic. And there were not a lot of happy times and happy memories, especially from the person, the man in my life that should have been the example of how a man is supposed to treat me, how a man is supposed to love me. That was absent. OK, so the way that I approached my marriage, my relationship um, had a lot of uh, brokenness already coming into it. And it's important uh -huh. to realize that um, you you we are humans and a lot of us have uh, premarital issues emotionally that need to be addressed and until you can address those things and really learn how to love yourself i can't say that when i got married i was not necessarily so in love this is the person that god sent me and i know that this is going to stand the test of time i was 28 years old i felt like my biological clock was ticking i mm -hmm. felt like all my other good good girlfriends were married everybody had the house with the picket fence and the dog and mm -hmm. i felt like at this time of my life this is where i'm supposed to be and this guy right. is enough of a gentleman for me to be able to to move into that that marriage space where i feel like i'm supposed to be at that time what so i can say that i've learned uh-huh go ahead no i was gonna say man like you already you've touched on so many yeah. points right and I think something that people don't like to talk about is the motive behind sometimes mm. why people get married in the first yes. place, whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved. And mm -hmm. I think the motive behind it sometimes has a lot to do with what happens, what transpires in the relationship throughout the marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think something else that you brought up is, and you, you're kind of stepping on my shows that are coming up. I'm but, sorry, girl. I'm sorry. Will me back in. Will me back in. Right. No, it's so good because you talked about coming into the marriage with some baggage, if we can use that. And I do yes. think that that is a real and true statement that, there are people that come into a marriage that they are broken individuals. They come from, you talked about coming from an abusive family, you know, so mm -hmm. you saw your father be abusive. Um, and so bringing that sort of, I'm using the word baggage, bringing that mm -hmm. sort of perspective into a marriage can sometimes taint, you know, what your idea sure. of marriage is, it can taint who the man thinks he is supposed to be to the woman it can take the woman all of those things can play a part in what happens in the marriage so sometimes you think you're marrying this person this one individual but you're marrying maybe possibly all of the other things that have come all along with that person mm -hmm. and even realizing too and i i think it's healthy especially when you come out of a marriage and you are going through that healing process and being able to be honest, right? Being yeah. able to be honest with yourself and saying, yeah. what, what was wrong with me? You know, of course we can say maybe what the other person did and we can definitely outline those things and those mm -hmm. things may be 
really very real things. But I think sometimes you do come into a marriage where there may be pieces of you that are broken. There may be pieces mm -hmm. of you that are looking for something. And because of that, the way you approach things in the marriage, how you handle the other individual plays a part because you're, you're dealing with all of that. I know like for me, the relationship that ended into marriage, when I initially got into the relationship, I had just lost my mom. Mm -hmm. And so I, in retrospect, right. Can say mm -hmm. I was not me. Right. I, there was, a, I was a broken me. Yeah. Because I was looking you know, for someone to fill the void. I mean, Absolutely. you know, my mom, you know, my mom. Well, you do. You mm -hmm. know, um, the type of person that she was, the type of relationship that we had—that unconditional love. That I can yeah. go to my mom. She gonna pray. She gonna give me good advice. She gonna tell me what yes. to do. You know, she's gonna lead me in the right direction. I mean, she saved, saved, saved for real, for real. For you real, know, for real. Best friend. So, when I entered into the relationship and then entered into the marriage, I was definitely looking to fill that void. Not to say that I was trying to replace, but I was looking on, on a lot of different levels to give someone that love that I was that I had given my mom and then trying to find someone to love me the way my mother loved me. And so I think mm -hmm. it's definitely when you when you start to heal, when you go to therapy, when you when you um able to look back, you're able to say, what was my real reason for being in this relationship? Or what was broken yeah. maybe about me? You know, what what was some baggage that was brought in, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think those two points that you brought up are, are really powerful points to looking at, you know, what happens sometimes in a breakdown in a marriage. Yeah. And just being able to identify, okay, what was my part in it? Because a lot of times, I think especially as women, we're quick to be like, well, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And he did. But just also being able to step back and say, okay, while maybe the majority of what was done was him, we're not perfect either. Um, we bring our own stuff and our own baggage aside from the trauma and the stress and the things that we experience emotionally. Um, although that plays a big part in how we communicate in our maturity level, how we respond and react to things. But it's very important to to sit back and look at, OK, well, what 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 was my role in the demise or, or this marriage not being successful? Um, there are a lot of reasons people get divorced. Money normally is the top reason. But a lot of times it can be something like uh, immaturity or lack of communication. It could be lack of vision or one party putting their family before their spouse. It could be lack of submission. You know, women, we, you know, especially nowadays, oh, I'm a boss. I'm an independent black woman and I'm this and I'm that. Yes, we want to be independent black women, but I want to be personally because I can only speak for myself codependent in my partner i want to have that submissive role i want you to take the lead and let me follow you know what i'm saying but that's something that i've had to learn because i've been so independent for so long i've done things by myself for so long so you know that's things that i have to learn 
um, another reason for divorce. You're now supposed to be one flesh, but now this one flesh is still operating as two people. You know what I'm saying? Like we've come together and I'm not just talking about bank accounts. I'm talking about in all perspectives, whether it's child rearing, whatever yep. it is, you know, we're supposed to be one flesh and come together and support one another and be a team. And we, we're still two individual people that have not figured out how to navigate as one, you know, and then of course they're the unresolved childhood issues. So, um, back to your question. I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, but back to question on what dating looks like. I have tried well, before online. Before you, before you talk about that, Crystal, talk a little bit about, you know, especially when we're talking about this, we're talking about dating, right? Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, once, once you get to a certain point, it's like, okay, you know, I kind of want to find somebody. I want to be married again. But what does, for you, what does the process of healing look like, right? Because I think that people need to realize that healing is not, oh, I'm ready to be married again, right? Mm -hmm. Healing is not like, oh, I'm ready to be uh, with someone else again. I think healing is about like having that wholeness, like that you talked about, having that wholeness, having that completeness, uh, loving yourself, right? Yeah, that's it right there. First, because yeah. guess what? If I don't love me, then how can I properly love someone else? And that was a that was a learning experience that sometimes we expect people to love us in a way that they don't have the capacity to love us in, right? Mm -hmm. And we That's set so these true. expectations for people and we, based on our past, maybe past relationships, maybe our parental, you know, we're looking for people to love us a certain way and they just don't know, they either don't know how to, right. or they don't have the capacity to, maybe because of their own childhood baggage. But mm -hmm. I think when we talk about that wholeness, it's not looking for that validation in a partner because if Nakia is good and healed, then the man that God is going to send me, you know, is going to be good and healed and whole. And then together we are healed and whole. I think for some people, the idea of like healing is like, oh, okay, I'm ready to be married again. Or, oh, okay. I'm ready to be in a relationship. But I think wholeness and healing is way, is way bigger than that. Yeah. I think that you hit the nail right on the head with everything that you said. Um, being able to present your best, best self and being healthy, whole, and complete on your end is so important. And, you know, post-divorce, being able to go through the grieving process and then get to the point where you can put the work in to improve yourself, to do the work, and to prepare yourself for whoever God is going to send you. Um, I know that for me, the healing process, like you said, is not just saying, okay, I'm ready to be married now. But right. there's some things in Crystal's life that in order to make a good wife, Crystal needs to work on, especially since Crystal has been single for 14 years. I've been on my own schedule, my own time, my own food regimen, my own come and go as I please, my own housekeeping rules, my everything. So sometimes it, it's a matter of us really... Um, checking where we are once we get the mental health part together and we feel, okay, I think I'm, I'm ready to give all of myself. Um, recently I had a breakup and it's been over a year now, but 
when I tell you I, that breakup took me to one of the lowest points I have ever been in in my life. And I think it was a combination of things. It wasn't just that breakup. But when I tell you I had to put in work to get back to a place where I felt like I could love and be capable of loving someone. I didn't want to be affectionate. I didn't want to love anyone. I didn't even like, I still liked men. Don't get me wrong. You look good to me, but I didn't want to have really anything to do as far as a relational perspective. Like I, hello, how you doing? Keep it moving type thing. And I really had to dig deep and it took me going to therapy. Like sometimes you need prayer and fasting and pray in your prayer language, whatever you say, but sometimes you need ouch. You know, you need a psychiatrist, you might need a pill, you might, but prayer sometimes is not gonna take you all the way through. And as much as we, as church folks, because I'm included, um, love to say, God will bring you through. Yes, he will. I believe that. I believe my faith is big. I have big faith. And I know God is able to do everything. But sometimes you need somebody from a clinical standpoint to be able to go and go in and help identify ways to help you navigate through your emotions and be able to parse things out and figure out how to move forward from a particular space. So I will say my healing process has taken a lot of time. It's taken a lot of time for me to a, identify who Crystal is and then to be able to replace some of the things and the trauma that I grew up seeing in the household from a husband and wife perspective, being able to replace that with, okay, how do I speak gently? Because when you see a man mean to a woman, to your mother, it, it can make you have a certain resentment towards men. And right. you talked about triggers before in your last um, show, and you could be very easily triggered. Anybody that you feel is somewhat narcissistic, anybody that you feel is somewhat controlling, anybody that's slightly on that behavior, even though you may not have laid hands on me, I, I feel that controlling spirit coming out. It may cause me to react in another way. Um, and and, and, and that and, can't even be where they were headed with it, you know? And Crystal, a, a part of that too is not just the, a part of that healing process, right? It's not just maybe the triggers from maybe a childhood is the triggers that maybe what you experience in the marriage, right? Yes. And so when you're looking at healing and dating, anybody that smells like, looks like, sort of mm -hmm. acts like anything that resembles what that was, it's enough, you know? Right. And so, I think that you brought up a good point that in the healing process, right, it, it is like the stages of grief. And, and I, I yeah. said it, you know, in, in my first show that it's like, you know, you're grieving someone that's still alive, right? Still I can grieve, yeah. I, I, I cry, you know, even to this day about my mom um, passing, but there's no wanting accidentally into her, right? There's no seeing her accidentally. She's, she's, gone you know and so that can be sometimes a very hard place to navigate it can be a very hard place to navigate also if you have children um yeah. i know it's, it's different for us you know if you have children with that individual yeah. if the relationship or the marriage did not dissolve in the best way if there's yeah. other type of uh family influences or other sort of whatever negativity that may be going on that may cause there not to be a amicable relationship after the marriage so all of those things play a part in the healing process and like you said mm -hmm. it takes accountability 
and mm -hmm. it takes honesty about where you are. I mean, you spoke to the fact that like, I like men, you look good, but don't talk to me. You know right. what I'm saying? And so right. that definitely resonates with me because I remember kind of very freshly being divorced and mm -hmm. people would come to me and be like, oh, you know, God's able to heal and, you know, you're going to get married again. You're still young. And I would be angry. Literally, I would be like, don't talk to me about getting married again. Don't talk to me about getting married again. Don't talk right. to me about again. I'm good. I don't want to ever be married again. I'm never going to put myself in that type of situation again. I never want to be treated. Like, I was just like, I would be literally angry when people would say that to me. And I would just turn it off. Because a part yeah. of the process is like building that wall up. You know, we, we think yeah. that the wall is protecting people on the outside, but the wall is actually keeping you closed in. And so right. you know, I had that idea of like, I'm never getting married again. I don't, I don't, I, nope, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to be a good mom. I'm going to raise my kids. Um, I'm going to travel. I'm going to work. Like, I just had this whole... Uh, plan, but the plan I had was speaking from a place of being hurt and not, you know, that, you know, self-preservation and not wanting to be hurt again and not wanting to put myself in a position to be open and to be vulnerable to somebody else again. Because, you know, when you should, when you're in a marriage, there's a level of intimacy that comes, there's a level of vulnerability. And when that ends and dissolves, sometimes you're like, I don't, I don't want to do this again. You know, I don't, right. I don't, I don't have the type of time. I don't got that type of energy. I don't got right. the energy. I don't have the emotional energy. So, so what you said is definitely true. But as you are going through the process, you know, as you are for me laying on my face, crying it out literally to God, because as I said on the first show, I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to because right. people don't understand and they don't really know what to say to you. You know, they kind of do these cliches like, oh, just take it to the Lord in prayer and yeah. <laughs> God fix the baby. God gonna fix it. He gonna heal that broken heart. Yeah. You know, worry about you and the children. You know, they, they say all the weird stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so I literally had to cry through to deliverance, you know, right? I yeah. had to cry to deliverance, cry, cry to God because he was literally the only person that I could bear my entire soul to. And mm -hmm. going through that process, letting God reveal things to me, even things that were maybe difficult about myself, you know, letting God reveal those things to me and let him change my heart right. to be the place to say number one not only do i want love again i'm worthy yeah. to have love again and i think mm -hmm. for a lot of people that have gone through a divorce sometimes they feel like i'm not worthy to be yeah. loved again. i'm not worthy of a second chance because People can be, and I said this on my first show, people can be mean. They can say, well, you had it. You already was married once. You couldn't make that work. Why would God let you be married? You know, people say what all kinds of things, but. Girl, how I, you went through that? Because mm -mm. <laughs> Getting to the place where 
for me, that was a huge part of my journey was yeah. getting to that place where I said, you know what? I am worthy of God's best, right? Yeah. I'm worthy of the love that God has for me. And I, I think that's an important part that people need to realize even going through a divorce that it looks very dark right now. Like it looks mm -hmm. like I'm not going to get out of this again, but there is, if you go through it, right. Yeah. There is healing, there is restoration, there is wholeness and completeness on the other side. And it's not with someone else It's with you. And then yeah. when you're ready, then God brings the person that you are supposed to be with. Cause I think sometimes, like you said, we meet people where we are. So if you're broken, nine times out of 10, you're going to attract someone who is broken. If you're still meddling and dealing with dysfunction or whatever, you're going to meet someone that is exactly on that same level that you are. I agree with that. And like you said, when you're ready, God will bring someone around. I think it's important to not um, feel like, especially when you talk about motives, don't feel like, okay, I've been divorced this amount of time and now is the time. So the next guy that comes along and treats me nice, I got to feel like I got to rush into this relationship, rush mm -hmm. into this marriage because I feel like God sent him. You know, um, it's important to be able to take the time to evaluate and pray on it and seek God for the person that you're with or the person that you're dating to make sure that that is a match that God. Now, that is one thing that I learned. And I promise God, I said, God, I promise you. I'm never going to marry anybody else that I don't think that you sent me. I will be equally yoked with the next person that I'm with. So mm -hmm. um, that was one thing that I learned. But I think everything that you said is, is completely right on, spot on. Right. So how do you, I mean, how how did you know or how how would an individual know if they are ready to start dating again, ready to uh give love a chance. Like I said before, I think for me, it was definitely that time I spent allowing God even continuously to work on my heart to allow me to even want to be open again and to first see the value in myself. You know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we can spend a lot of time, especially in a divorce, talking about the other person and that's valid that has its merits or whatever you know but there is a work uh on you as an individual that mm -hmm. you have to be aware of and be able to know who you are and like you said your purpose partner and and coming to a place where you're saying you know what i know who i am in god and i know what you know, I want and I'm going to wait. Like you said, there is no set time frame. Oh, okay, I've been di divorced three years now. All right, it should be time now. Or I've been divorced 10 years. Oh, wait, it should be time now. It's really waiting, like you said, on the person that God intends for you based on purpose, the purpose he has for you individually and then you together. You just said a whole mouthful in that last sentence. I think for me, um, and, and even dealing with now saying, am I ready to date? You know, I, I went on the whole, because you, there are times where you feel lonely 
Mm -hmm. um, and so you may seek companionship, friendship, somebody to talk to because you're in that lonely space. And you may not necessarily be ready to date or be in a relationship, but you go on these dating platforms or you may meet someone and, and try the dating scene out. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that although you've experienced this hurt and trauma in a past relationship or a past marriage, it doesn't mean that you'll never potentially date someone and get your feelings hurt again. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm not talking about in a marriage. I'm not talking about getting married and divorced again. I'm just saying that there comes a time where you have to make up in your mind that you're going to make yourself vulnerable and mm. let the wall down to allow someone to date you, to allow someone to show and prove to you that they are worthy of your time, that they are worthy of a relationship with you. And I think a lot of times, you know, um, we date people, but we keep the wall up. Right. Um, and, and, and you do have to be guarded because if they're not worthy to date you, don't sit there and collect red flags. Keep it moving. Right. Um, but when, when you meet someone that potentially is, you know, on your level spiritually, emotionally, you know, all of the leads and um, being able to be vulnerable and open to a point to receive love. And yeah. in my past relationship, I kind of struggle with that. I, I'm, I'm one that can keep a wall up. And mm -hmm. if you say or do something that I don't like, I'm out. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. And right. that's not a healthy place to be in. If you're still there, then you just may not be ready yet. If you're not willing to put in the work and the time that it takes to communicate with someone, then you may not be ready met ready yet. Um, if, you, if you're still like throwing tantrums and pouting and cutting people off, I don't want to talk to you for two weeks. You know, maturity wise, you may not be ready yet. So there's a number of things that can be key indicators that let you know that you may or may not be ready to be in a relationship. Yes, we want companionship. We want to go out and have a nice dinner with someone and just laugh. But that is a different space than being in a place to say, I'm truly ready to be in a committed, faithful marriage and a commitment to God. You know what I'm saying? So th those are different spaces. And it's important to be able to um, accurately identify where you are. Um, because you don't want to be misleading, right? And but that's what you said is right because that's the real and true of relationships, right? I mm -hmm. think sometimes we get hyped by the social media, right? You hear people say yeah. hashtag relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals, hashtag yeah. that's gonna be me one that's day. Not real, but yeah, you know? mm -hmm. and it's like. <laughs> you just don't know like you 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 alluded to it at the beginning you don't know what people deal with behind closed doors right, right. um mm -hmm. you talked about you know growing up in a family where your father was abusive and your mother i mean one of the most you know <laughs> prayer warriors worship everything and i just on the outside, even just thinking about my childhood, you know, and seeing her in church and worship and go mm -hmm. forth, and I would have never known That's how she that. made it through. <laughs> and so I think sometimes we are looking at people and, and, you know, I know this, you know, we look at people and we feel like, oh, they, they have a great marriage or whatever. Case. But the truth of the matter is you never know what is going on behind closed doors i have met people who were in marriages especially in church where the spouse was abusive 
Mm-hmm. And you would never know that because mm-hmm. the person's a pastor or the person's a, a missionary Absolutely. or an elder. Absolutely. I mean, you would never know uh, the kind of things that go on behind closed doors. And I think that's why it's so important to wait on the person and wait for the person that God has for you. And while you are post-divorce, while you are in that waiting period that you're we're doing what you said, that you're making sure, okay, am I really ready? Am I, right. do I need to do a little bit more counseling? Do I need to talk to somebody? Oh, wait a minute. This still triggers me. Okay. I'm, this is still, and, and I do think there's some things that you aren't going to know until you get in a relationship, you know, right. Right. It may not manifest itself, especially when it comes to things like triggers and things like that. Right. You might not be fully aware until you get in a relationship, but that's mm-hmm. why I think it's so important to not, you know, the way our society is, it's so much attention being paid toward, like I said, social media and what's going on and thinking that we know what is going on in other people's homes. Mm-hmm. And there are there are sadly a lot of people that are in marriages that were in marriages that were unhealthy, that were dysfunctional, and nobody knew because, like you said, there is a mask, there's a facade, there's a there's a wall of this we look like we have it together type of situation. Yeah. I think the place that I am now though, and you you hint on it and it's just so spot on is if you find or seek to find what your purpose is, what God, what God, what have you placed me here to do? What is my ministry supposed to be? And I'm not talking about, you know, having a, a talk show or being a preacher or elder, but whatever my ministry is, no matter how small or intimate it is, what is my purpose? Okay. And so then when you start seeking purpose and you seek ye first the kingdom, because you're striving for everything, all things kingdom and his righteousness, that all the things will be added, the man, the money, the, the whatever you're additional that you want. I honestly feel like God has a path. He has a plan and all that will begin to fall in place. I had this little saying that I go by obedience gives you answers. And so when we come obedient to God and what his purpose is for us, I feel like the other things will begin to fall into place and and we'll begin to see those things that God has for us. I love that. I love that. So as we kind of wrap, wrap it up for tonight, Mm -hmm. this has been such, such, crystal clear for us tonight. Can you tell me what are some of the lessons, right? Because someone said to me that it's not a failure. What seems to be a failure is not a failure if you've learned lessons, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and that was a part of my healing too. um, And just realizing, okay, my marriage did not work, but that doesn't make me a failure, right? Right, right. So what what are some lessons that you have learned from your previous marriage and even going through this healing process that you feel like will help you be better next time? I definitely feel like if we're not equally yoked, we, we can't even talk. We, we in, the, in this whole dating arena, 
if, if we're not on the same page spiritually, we, we can't even talk because that's just where I'm at. I feel like when you start opening the door to a whole bunch of different belief systems yeah. or he's spiritual, but he doesn't go to church or I see red flags, I see this red flag, but I'm going to just make an excuse for it. I'm not going to let him go just yet. And you keep collecting them. And then before you know it, you're two years into a relationship when you knew the first two months that that person was not the one because of the red flags. So definitely for me, it's got to be somebody that I'm equally yoked with. Um, I've also learned that I have work to do. And we basically touched on a lot of the things that I'm going to say now. Um, I have work to do and that I'm still doing um, to to make myself healthy and whole and complete and ready for the man that God will send me. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned that communication is key and don't rush to try to get into something because of where you feel like you are in life at that mm -hmm. moment. Oh, I feel like I'm at the age where I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I feel like I've been divorced this many years. So now I'm supposed to be married again and back in a relationship. Oh, I feel like I need to have kids because we didn't even go into the part about being 40 and not having <laughs> kids and how that has you know, played a part of my life, you know, um, from a fit, from everything from a failure perspective to, yeah. you know, purpose perspective. Um, but just don't ever rush into something um, to try to make it fit for where you are in your life present. You know, just, just let God continue to seek God. Use your discernment. I've learned to use discernment in dealing with people. I've learned to listen to key words. I've learned to listen to how, what they say about me and to watch their actions and how they treat me. Because a lot of times actions are going to show a lot more than anything else they could ever say. Oh, Crystal, I really like you. Oh, Crystal, you this and this. But I could tell by your actions, that you got two or three, you you got a whole bench lined up over here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a starter. I'm not one on one on the bench. Okay. So, so okay, if, if you're not treating me like I'm a starter, okay, I'm doing it. Then, then I'm not the one for you. But um that I've learned a lot of things, but those those are the key lessons in being able to to start to build a foundation in in dating again and trying to build um something with somebody else. I I mean everything that you said i totally agree with and i think too a part of for me going through this healing process was also my walk with god right mm -hmm. getting back into the the space where i'm totally you know Absolutely. listening to god and like really praying and really asking god like is this what you want me to do um, because there was a time, especially, like I said, at, at the beginning of my marriage and when the relationship first started was after my mom passed. And at that point, I was so traumatized yeah, <laughs> um, sure. by my mom's death, literally, that mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I didn't, you know, want to have a relationship with God. It wasn't that. I just was so clouded by grief yeah. that I really, it just wasn't like, you know, yes, I love God, but that was pretty much kind of like the extent. I love God. Absolutely. I'm a servant church because that's what, how we were raised. I'm mm -hmm. a servant church, but I was also really running too as yeah. well. I was running, from, I was running from 
who God called me to be because I just wanted to blend in, right? I wanted yeah. to fall back. I wanted to blend in. I don't want to be the oddball. I want to just play to the back. And I think what you just said was key and something that I have learned just a lot, even recently, that discernment is key. Yeah, and it's it really is. Not enough for you to say you have discernment. You also have to listen, too. Mm -hmm. And so that was key for me in understanding that God was showing me things. You talked about those red flags, right? God was showing me things and telling me. But Nakia was ignoring what he was showing me, right? It was like, you know how we do as women. It's like, oh, it's going to be. I know. I'm going to just love them through it. I oh, mean, they, yeah. got potential. they got potential. I see the potential. It's, it's going to be all right. It's love covers all and love is, love is going to make up for all. And that is true. That is true to a certain extent. Um, but you also have to be realistic. You also have to listen to the voice of the Lord. And we're talking right. about if you are saved. But I do also believe that even if you have not committed your life to God, there's still that internal yeah that's your intuition saying, will, will yeah that's saying to you mm -mm, no no <laughs> don't you know don't do that don't go there that's not it you know don't trust that don't listen to that and i think yeah. he um a large part was ignoring right ignoring the things that god was trying was showing me ignoring what he was telling me and trying to push past that and so I think recognizing that, and like you said, this time around, really being intentional about seeking God and mm -hmm. being okay. A friend of mine said to me, you vet people off the jump. And if they ain't off the jump, you don't even, you just keep on pass, go, just keep mm -hmm. on going. You know, but I think it's important too, to, to, not waste time, especially if God is showing you yeah. that this isn't it. This is not the oh, one. Sure. You know, we can be friends. Hey, good. But we can't go past that, that particular point. And so I think that's important that listening and having discernment and really seeking God and being intentional because you are still, you know, you're going through that healing process. So you want to be staying on your face and, and in the word and praying and asking God, okay, God, show me. And if it, if he's not the one, I don't want to be getting my feelings involved and attached. And God is like, no, it's not it. Then he got to be dragging me backwards. That's right. And then the heartache that goes along with that. Girl, I, I, I experienced that firsthand. Yes. Necessary, Crystal. It's like God it is, is like, I'm trying to save you from the unnecessary heartache. You being disobedient, you're not listening. It's like the kid when you say, Don't touch the stove, and they be like, I'm yes. just trying to, it's not hot, it's not hot for real. Let me just try, put my hand on it, it and get burnt. You know, away so and still tap it. Yes, right, still tapping it. And so, I think that's important. I think something else I learned, and this is just me in all facets of my life, is not to dumb yourself down, right? Mm -hmm. Not to dumb yourself down. You talked about that earlier about are we equally yoked? And I think mm -hmm. sometimes we look at that from a spiritual aspect, but I think that can be translated into a lot of different areas. And right. not dumbing yourself down or not 
um, devaluing yourself because you feel like I need to be with someone. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, especially women, we, we, you know, you get lonely, you want to have companionship and we start to get smaller and smaller and dumb ourselves down because we, we sacrifice who we are for that companionship. And I think that's something that I have learned that you don't have to try to change and make yourself a chameleon and try to turn yourself inside out to fit in or to be loved. You know, the right person will love you wholly, completely the way God loves you. Yeah. I think a lot of women do that after their divorce too, because they are ashamed, especially in the church arena or church environment. They're ashamed. Um, I know you spoke about that on the the last show, Um, ashamed of what people are going to say, ashamed Mm -hmm. of how people are going to respond, ashamed that they won't be able to move forward in ministry to the way the way Mm -hmm. that they want to. Um, And it just affects them in so many ways. And it can almost cause them to become a recluse, to have Mm -hmm. social anxieties. It can have so many different effects. But just knowing that God's grace is sufficient. You said it last time, you know, David was a whole murderer. You know, and it, it did all these different things that God still had grace on him and still used him tremendously. And I do feel like um, God can still extend that same grace to us and still use us in the same way. And we don't have to become recluse or hide ourselves or mm-hmm. choose not to participate in ministry or choose not to be the prayer warrior or whatever your calling is and whatever area it is in your life. Um, because a lot of, of women go through depressions that last for years because of the shame, the guilt and the shame behind having to tell people that they had a marriage that that did not make it. And uh, just for anybody out there that is going through that, you know, as part of your healing process, God's grace is sufficient. And again, like you said, this is not advocacy for divorce. If you're in a place right now where uh, you're, you're facing a potential divorce, do everything that you can. Go to that war room. Go yeah. and try, go try and communicate. Go stay at mom's house for a week to try to regroup and get your thoughts together. Try to journal. Try to seek counsel. You know, to try to keep that together, especially if children are in the picture. Um, yes. As long as it's not anything domestic, because you know we don't condone uh, domestic violence at all. Right. But uh, <laughs> you know, just that guilt and shame that goes along with that can be difficult for women, and you don't have to cower down or become less of who you are before or not operate in your purpose or calling because you feel like you went through a divorce. Yes. I I love that. And, and it's so key what you just said, because like I, you know, spoke about on the first time and, you know, as we progress in uh, upcoming, you know, dealing with that depression Mm -hmm. and going through that shame, you know, of, Oh my gosh, like I, my marriage failed and in shame from all you know aspects of it like you know all my family and you know my friends and i wasn't able to keep this together i mean it, it was so much of a internal yeah uh, and that anger too that i yes. felt like why didn't i know better why why mad at myself why did you ignore the signs why you know like this it's a whole psychological it is that people that have gone through a divorce they go through and I don't think people really understand that we talked about that on the first one about the misconception of divorce that Mm -hmm. people just assume 
oh, you just didn't want to be married anymore. Or they right. assume, oh, you just gave up. Or mm -hmm. you just want to be out and being fast in the streets or whatever. You know, what things that people come up with. But I don't think most people that I know that have been through a divorce, it it was a battle for them. It was oh, yeah. a hard decision, whether they were saved or not saved, because it is the ending of a thing. You know, mm -hmm. it is that conscious that I was in love with someone. I love someone. And those feelings, this life, I thought that we were going to build. It, it didn't it, happen. It didn't happen mm -hmm. for a lot of different, for many right. different reasons. Sometimes the person that went into the marriage is not the person you meet on day 32. Come you on. know, sometimes Come the person on. that Let's you were dating. Right. Sometimes you were dating because, of course, people going to show you their best selves when they're dating. You know, sometimes things happen when you have children as women, your body change. You know, all yeah. of these things happen. And sometimes that plan that you have, like you were talking about earlier, your girlfriends and they got the house and the picket fence and the dog and the kids. It just it doesn't happen. And that's a hard thing thing to reconcile sometimes that mm -hmm. as a grown adult I wasn't able to number one honor my commitment right in front of God mm -hmm. and this thing that I thought was going to last forever is now not and so that can be a hard space to live with and so like you said I just want people to be encouraged to know that there is grace Right. If you have gone through a divorce, if you are going through a divorce, that God's grace is sufficient for you. And it doesn't because I remember many times saying I'm never going to stop feeling like this. Mm -hmm. I remember that very vividly. Crystal, I mean, saying, It feels like that. Yeah. I mean, I remember, and then I remember one day, one day, you know, like, uh, uh, my girlfriend said last time she said mm -hmm. one day you like the sun is shining the sun me. comes out it you know? does. And it, it literally is that there's no manual you know we're just here i'm just here to give uh i guess voice to this issue and to let people know that you don't have to go through it alone that there is right. there are people that care that have been there like you said this is not advocacy for divorce because I believe in marriage. I believe in healthy I marriages. I do. I believe in God-ordained marriages. Um, mm -hmm. But there are some times where it doesn't end like that. So go ahead and close this out, Crystal, with some final remarks and whatever else you feel led to. And then we're going to be done. So all I would say is if you are considering getting married and you are engaged or talking about marriage or whatever... Um, make sure that you feel like that is the person that God has for you. Um, because then we can prevent having to have this conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're, like we said, we're not advocating for it, but if we can help you avoid having to be in this, this predicament, then that would be the absolute best thing. See God, use your discernment, just do everything that you can to make sure that you not you're not collecting red flags to make sure that you're not making excuses for that person to make sure that okay when push comes to shove and things get tough i know that we're going to be on the same page we can both go to god 
that we can fight through this thing to make it through some years and not just just call it quits when the time comes. Um, and then for those of us who have, you know, maybe you were recently divorced, um, know that um, a day will come where, where you will feel better and where the sun will come out. You have to have that time to be able to grieve and to be able to regroup. Take the time that you need for that, but don't stay there. Don't stay stuck. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to become a recluse, to cause you to um, isolate yourself into a place where you're mad at God, you're mad at your family, you're mad at the ex-husband, you're mad at everyone. Don't allow the enemy to do that to you. Take the time you need to grieve, but come on up out of there um, and surround yourself with people who are going to help pray you through it and feed you positive things. And that will keep your information confidential. You can't share everything with everyone, but keep your information confidential and that will be able to be that shoulder that you can lean on, but that will also say, you know what? Give me a hand, let's pray. We're going to pray through this moment. You know what I'm saying? Let's go to the word. Let's find something that we can stand on in this moment. So I hope that this Valentine's Day is uh, a happy Valentine's Day for everyone. It's a love day. And just know that if you are in a place where you're single and you're regrouping, it's okay. Make sure that you love yourself so that you know that you can love somebody else. Thank you, Nakia, for allowing me this time to share with you tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next episode, I pray wholeness and healing on your journey.